0: Welcome to the Troy Kyle Alpha Podcast, Reconciling Students to Christ, Transforming Troy University, the Marketplace, and the World. Today, you'll be listening to one of our sermons recorded at our Wednesday night worship service. It's good to be here. It's good to see you guys. hope you're having a good day. Things are going well. So, hopefully, if you're here, that means you haven't tested positive this week. So, that's good. So, <laughs> praise the Lord for that. <laughs> There's about 40 people who can't say the same. So, anyways, anyways, hey, hey, listen, last week, last week, I talked to you um, about not letting your emotions rob you of what God has for you, not, not letting your emotions rob you of your reward. And, um, I told you about a couple times, I admit there were a couple times that I just, like I wanted to be done, and I wasn't really sure why I was in ministry, and and I was really struggling with my own emotions, and and what God wanted for me, and how do I find God's will for my life, and so I'd like to start tonight by maybe telling you a story, uh, a little bit more background about that, and so I find myself in this place, and uh, I don't know how else to explain it, but it was almost like the frustrations I was experiencing was like deja vu, it was like the same problems, just a different version of the same story played out somewhere else. And I'm like, God, why, why can't I just move on and, like, not deal with this thing anymore? Like, can I have another problem, please? Like, anything but this thing again. And I just, I don't know, I just felt like it was the same thing. And I, don't, I won't go into the details of what I was struggling with, but I just was having those same thoughts, like, you know, I probably shouldn't be here. Um, I'm not really sure if I'm cut out for this job. And I was just really, really struggling, and uh, so like I told you last week, what I I do when I'm struggling is I do two things. I pray, and I seek out counsel from people um, in spiritual authority that I trust. And so I was praying, and you know, when you you pray for things, you're like, God, fix it. Jesus, zap all the enemies and make them stop being mean to me, right? Straighten them out, Uh, take all the problems away, Uh, give me more money, give me more of whatever I don't have enough of. Jesus, fix it. And so I'm, I'm literally like in this small little, it's almost like a closet, and I'm praying all these prayers. God, just make it better. Jesus, help. You know? know, if you've ever been to a place where you just like don't even know the words to pray, you're just like, I just, whatever this is, make it stop. And I guess you could say God answered my prayer, but it was in this weird way. Um, I hope you don't think I'm weird, but I'm praying, and it's like all of a sudden, like, there was like a TV screen that flipped on in my mind. And it was like I was seeing this vision uh, of some things that had happened to me when I was younger. It's like I was watching a movie in my mind. I don't know if that sounds weird or not, but it's what I was doing. And I'm just, just like, okay, God, like I'm needing you to fix this problem. Like I don't need a trip down memory lane here. Um, and so it's this video of like I'm seeing myself, this memory of me uh, playing baseball as a kid. Um, it was like super vivid. I was in my gray and black Civitans jersey. Uh, I remember the game. Um, it was like last game of the season. And, like, there was a lot of pressure riding on this game, and we were in extra innings. And um, we had two outs, and we were down by one, and we had two men on base. And I was in the batter's box, and I had a full count. Now, like, a lot of pressure for a little kid. It was, like, the first year that kids could throw balls at each other, like, when you didn't have a coach or a machine throwing it. Like, and so, like, kids weren't really good pitchers. And I was really, really small when I was younger, and it's maybe hard for some of you to imagine. But I was was really short, Uh, I had a growth hormone deficiency, so I was like super short, and um, so my coach took advantage of that, he's like, every time I got up, he would be like, here's what you do, you're gonna fake bunt, and you're gonna crowd the plate, and the kids can't throw it in the strike zone when you do that, and you're gonna walk every time, and I walk about 80% of the time, and so full count, coach gives me the signal to fake bunt, and I hope you never become this person, but you know when little kids play ball, there's like some people that sit behind uh, the plate, and like, say inappropriate things to little kids. And someone saw the coach's sign, and I, I just heard someone say, Hey, be a man, hit the ball. <clears throat> Getting a walk's wimpy way out, you know, something like that. And I was like, Oh, what the coach says, I got a I fake bunt. I got to do what the coach, coach says, because he's going to yell at me if I don't do what he says. And uh, so I, I did, I squared up to fake bunt and pulled the bat back in time, and just to watch the, the last strike go right over the center of the plate. And, I was the last out of the game, and we lost, and as I'm walking back to the dugout, tears in my eyes, little boy, someone's out, shouts, you know, told you you should swing the bat like a man, you know, that's, you know, you imagine people shouldn't say those things to little kids, whatever, and I'm like, I'm I'm praying, and I'm seeing this in my head, I'm like, God, yeah, okay, it happened, like, that was stupid of those people to say those things, yeah, don't rub it in, we lost, like, whatever, Uh, God, but what does this have to do with what I'm dealing with right now? Can, I still need you to fix it, God, and I just feel like in that moment, God was like, you know, at some point in your life, you decided that everyone else's happiness was your responsibility, and that you could never let anybody else down, or everyone would be like furious at you and say bad things about you. And I was like, whoa, that's heavy. And as I begin to to listen to God, I, I just felt like God was show me these. Things that I had believed in my mind that he had not put on me, that maybe some other people had put on me, but the reality was I believed these things to be true. I believed that it was my responsibility to lead people to Jesus, and that if someone walked away from from the church, if someone walked away from the gospel, that somehow I didn't try hard enough. I didn't do the right thing, and it was my fault, and I had let that person down, and I had let Jesus down. And the reality is I was putting weight on myself that I couldn't bear. And it was killing me. And so I wanted to quit everything because I just didn't feel adequate because I couldn't do it. Because I had some ideas in my mind that did not come from God's word. They weren't things that God had spoken to me. They were things that, for silly reasons, I had believed and I had acted on them as if they were true. And so I found myself sitting in this closet just crying, okay, yes, God, I, I do take too much responsibility for things that you have not given me authority over. Yeah, I do, I do think I have to please people too much. I do think that other people's happiness is up to me. I do think failure is never an option. And I just I kept going through all these thoughts that were in my head, and I was like, wow. And it just felt so freeing to realize this. And I was like, I know all these things are true, but for some reason I was acting differently. I, I don't know about you guys, but maybe at some point in your time, maybe, maybe you haven't realized it in your own life, but maybe you've seen it in a friend's life, but you've maybe realized that sometimes people just seem to repeat the same problems over and over. It's just a different version. It's just, it's the same things, it's every relationship goes down the same trail, every person... We date, we sabotage it in the same way. You know, every interaction with authority always ends up the same way. And there's this pattern of frustration that we find ourselves in that robs us of peace. It really does. It robs us of our peace. Because, you know, in that moment when I was struggling, like, it wasn't a peaceful time and it wasn't an easy time, but just because things weren't going well didn't mean that God wasn't capable of giving me peace. The problem is I didn't have peace because I was at odds with God in my mind. Not, not in a, a traditional theological sense. Listen, my theology is great, and I don't argue with anybody. If you're, if you're bored later tonight, you know, we, can, we can argue about whatever you want. I think that's fun. But it's, it's one thing to know and be able to say the right things of God, but then there are these thoughts that are in my brain. It's almost like a bias that I act on it without even realizing I'm acting on it. And it robs me of peace, it robs me of joy, it robs me of what God wants to do in any given situation. Tonight I want to talk to you about don't let deceptive thoughts sabotage your soul. So God was speaking to the Corinthian church through Paul, and the Corinthian church had had Lots of problems. So what we know um, is that, that Paul had lots and lots of letters and lots and lots of interactions, and he sent people to check on the Corinthian church. And at this point, when we're reading here in 2 Corinthians 11 tonight, when, when Paul gets to this point, this is near the end of Paul's correspondence. And by this point, they've had to excommunicate people. Paul's addressed a million different problems. And it seems like Paul is banging his head against a wall. That he's just not getting anywhere with these people. And this church habitually is having these same problems recurring over and over again. And no matter uh, how powerful Paul's letters are, no no matter how many people he sends to visit them or how many times he's visited them in in person, uh, the Corinthian church, they're just not getting it. And so God is speaking through Paul to the Corinthian church about this. And I think God is going to speak to us as well tonight. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Paul says, I wish you would bear with me a little foolishness. Do bear with me. For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband, to present you a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to proclaim another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it well enough, or readily enough. Do not let deceptive thoughts sabotage your soul. The Corinthian church, they had a lot of problems. One of the main problems that they had was false teachers. But the false teachers that were prevalent in the Corinthian church, they were a little bit different than the false teachers that we see in other churches. Uh, Paul's writing about what's going on there seems to be a little bit different. If you were to read on a little bit here in in 2 Corinthians, you would uh, see one of my favorite lines of Paul. He he compares himself. He says, I'm not to be compared with those so-called super-apostles. And you can just feel Paul's sarcasm coming through his letter as he's basically making a joke at the accusations that have been made against him. You see, what's happening is these false teachers in the church at Corinth, and really the whole culture at Corinth, had become so super spiritual that they believed, they were, they were full of pride, and they believed uh, that they were actually superior to Paul. That these other teachers were superior to Paul And um, for lots of reasons, they were basically discrediting or trying to disqualify Paul. Because, as you know, Paul suffered a lot of hardship for the gospel. Paul was not wealthy. Paul was often having to work another job, uh, making tents to be able to make ends meet. Um, Paul was not always um, smooth in his speech. He wasn't always the best orator. And... um, he wasn't dressed nicely. There were a lot of things in the natural uh, that were not appealing or attractive about Paul. And so what is happening in this church is they are starting to attribute the blessings of God with worldly wealth and the blessings of God with being able to be a smooth talker, the blessings of God that someone is really anointed of God if they wear nice clothes and, and they tell good stories and they have a nice house, and we have nice things. Now, obviously, you guys know this isn't true, right? Because Paul is an apostle. We affirm uh, the books that he wrote as part of the canon, and we believe the testimony of Paul to be the true gospel. And so we know that, that Paul says that he's suffered in so many ways, and he even, uh, in some of his letters, he tells us about the suffering that he's gone through. But still, these people are tempted to believe these ideas. Now I bet if you were to sit down with them and say, "Okay, what makes someone a Christian? What makes someone saved? When should we baptize someone? And what do you believe about baptism?" And and what do you mean believe about uh, the Eucharist or Holy Communion? If we were to quiz them on some Bible verses or Bible trivia, I bet they could have given us the right answers. But they had begun to believe this idea that somehow physical things were a sign of God's blessing, and people who didn't have those things were not as blessed by God, or God's Spirit wasn't with them in the same way. And so um, Paul, Paul is, is kind of pushing back against this, and he's, he's dealing with this lie, these wrong thoughts that the Corinthian church has adopted. Now this is not my main point, and we're not going to camp here uh, too long tonight, but I, I want to go a little bit further with this. Imagine if I could um, take a sampling of all the churches, we'll just say in Pike County, Alabama, where we're at tonight, and I could line them all up side by side, and we would just walk in one door of one church, and we'd stay there, and we'd go to the next one, and we would just kind of sample all the churches. You know, we, we would visit a lot of different types of churches. There would be some maybe poor country churches that might have maybe ten or 12 people, and, you know, maybe you know, the only music would be a piano, and they would sing from hymnals, and it would be a very traditional feeling, uh, maybe pews, some of them might not even be padded. You know, there would be some churches that meant, like, beautiful buildings, and uh, the musicianship would be amazing, and the person who get up to speak would be, you know, dressed very proper and nice and wear a suit and tie. And, and look that way, and then you go to this other place, and there's some people meeting in a school cafeteria, and this guy preaching with like holes in his jeans. I don't know if I need to get holes in my jeans to make you guys like me. But, but there would be a million different expressions of the church. Not really a million, but there would be several different expressions of the church, and you could go from one to the other, and you could just try them all out. In fact, you could do this if you wanted to. When you walked into the door of each place, you would immediately make a snap judgment would. You would have opinions. You would notice if people dressed like you or if people look like you. You would notice the personality of the person on stage talking and whether you, not, you liked his mannerisms or his expressions or his humor or his wit. And we instinctively do these things and we tend to settle on the place that feels most comfortable to us. In fact, I would assume that you're here because you feel comfortable here or because someone just texted you until they guilted you into coming. Maybe that's the case. Right? tell them thank you. Um, but for the most part, we have ideas in our mind that you probably can't find anywhere in Scripture. And often those are the predominant ideas that drive us or draw us to a given place of worship. Not things that we find In scripture, not doctrine or ideas or matters of faith and practice. It's usually matters of preference. And this is really what Paul is struggling with. These ideas that they really like these other guys' ways of doing things. And because they like the other guys' ways of doing things, they're willing to put up with the false teaching that comes along with it. And unfortunately, I think we tend to do the same thing. You guys, maybe, maybe you did some homework, maybe you know some things that I believe, maybe you're paying attention and you're reading the scriptures and making sure that the things that I'm saying actually are in the scripture. I don't know. Maybe you think I'm just like the coolest pastor ever, right, because I dress so hip and I'm so cool and I say the right words and <laughs> you guys are laughing at me, that's cool. Uh, I told someone today, uh, someone asked me who did our podcast and I was like, um, not me. And they're like, yeah, I thought someone younger and cooler than you was doing it. And I was like, yeah, thanks. It's like I, I gave up on being cool a long time ago. But whether we admit it or not, there are these thoughts in the back of our mind that ultimately control or at least influence our actions. Now, maybe those aren't all bad things. But these are the types of things that Paul is talking about. Paul uses two uh, images here. One, he uses the image of a wedding. He says, I have betrothed you to Christ, and I intend to present you as a pure and holy virgin to Christ. And so what Paul is saying is, like, you guys are already in the family. You are already saved. He's talking to believers who have already accepted the gospel. And then he uses this other picture. He uses this picture of Eve in the garden. It's interesting, um, this dialogue here. This is one of the few places Paul actually talks about Eve as instead of Adam being tempted and and he's he's using this image to draw out in us this idea that Eve knew what was right. You guys know the story of Eve in the garden, right? The serpent says you should eat the fruit and she says no, the Lord has told us we can't eat the fruit. And the serpent says, "Did he really tell you that?" Eve says, "Well, yeah, he did." And the serpent goes, "Yeah, but he said it because he knows that you're going to be like him if you eat it. And so what we see happening here is the cunning of the serpent using uh, rational thought and emotions to convince Eve of something she knew was not true. And Paul's using this example, this analogy, this image, when he's talking to the Corinthian church. He's saying, you guys know the truth, You you can... Remember what I've told you. For you guys, you can read the Bible and you can know what's true. But for whatever reason, you have been persuaded to act on different judgments than those things that you know are true. He talks about putting up with these thoughts. That our thoughts are led astray. You know, it's possible to be a Christian, it's possible to be a follower of Jesus, and our thoughts be led in a different direction from the gospel, that we would actually think and believe things in our mind or in our heart that are the antithesis of the gospel. One of the things that really was was happening here is the gospel was meant to remove social strata from the church. But what the Corinthian church was doing is they were actually adding social strata back. They were saying, we want to worship with wealthy people, because if you worship with wealthy people, your church has nicer stuff because they tithe more, right? Who wants to go to church with like a janky old sound system and broken seats and like messed up light bulbs that can't pay their bills, right? We want to worship with rich folks so we have nice stuff. That seems logical. And so these are the types of things that Paul is messing with, that he's dealing with, and he's speaking... um, against these thoughts. These thoughts are not always conscious. They're not always things we realize. In fact, often we don't realize these thoughts until we get to a place of almost despair, until they've almost wrecked us. In fact, I didn't realize some of the wrong ideas I had, the the very unbiblical ideas I had about responsibility and my role as a pastor and a minister, until really I was at my breaking point. I said, God, I need you to speak to me because I can't keep doing this anymore. I think just like the enemy tempted Eve, the enemy wants to tempt us using our emotions and our own logic to convince us in little ways. I'm not saying that he's robbing you of your salvation. I'm not saying that you're backslidden. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying he's he's taking your peace and he's robbing you of something that God is trying to give you, that those deceptions are sabotaging our soul. And oftentimes we don't even realize the root cause. We don't realize the root cause of those thoughts because after all, the enemy, the serpent, is cunning in his presentation. Those thoughts are always subtle. I I would categorize these thoughts, we'll call them lies because I think that's what they are. Lies into three categories. Um, Thoughts that we think about God, thoughts that we think about others, and thoughts that we think about ourselves or lies that we think about ourselves. Um, Whether you like it or not, we all have lots of these. You know why? Because you're imperfect. And you were raised by imperfect people, and you had imperfect teachers when you were in school, and you had imperfect friends, and you were surrounded by people who said stupid things. It just happens. It doesn't mean they were evil people. It doesn't mean they were malicious. It doesn't mean they were trying to destroy your life. I think oftentimes... We cling on to advice, we cling on to ideas that we've heard repeated all over and over again, and we never think, okay, when I come to Christ, is this an idea I, I should let go of? We don't even think of them as spiritual ideas or thoughts, they're just principles or ideas that we've just lived by. Maybe some deeper things, maybe we, we learn some lessons the hard way, right? When you learn lessons the hard way, those things stick, Right? Like when you embarrass yourself in front of a lot of people, like you don't forget that very quickly and you in your mind you go, okay, I'm not going to do that again because that was terrible. I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to prevent that from ever happening again. we learn lessons the hard way. The problem is sometimes we learn the wrong lesson because fear is our teacher. And so we have these thoughts that are sabotaging what God wants to do it like they were sabotaging what God wanted to do in the Corinthian church. Paul is telling us, don't be deceived by the enemy's cunning. Don't be deceived by the logic or the emotion. Don't believe in some other Jesus. Now listen, there were a hundred other people probably named Jesus, right? Like it was a common Jewish name. So he's not saying like don't believe in Jesus from, you know, son of John. Like that's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't believe in a different version of Jesus. I think sometimes this is what it looks like. It starts with our lives about God. We believe in a version of God that is other than the God of the Bible. And it's really easy, right? So, like, there are all these different things about God, right? So God is loving, and he's kind. He's gracious. Okay, God is also righteous, and he's a judge. He's also going to pour out his wrath. The Bible also talks about God getting angry. And I think sometimes we have a hard time holding all of these things together in our hand. It's like, how do I mentally process that? Okay, is God angry at me right now, or is he giving me grace right now? Like, which picture of God do I hold in my head? And some of us, we only view God through a very narrow lens, and so we we believe in a Jesus that is other than the Jesus that Paul preached. We believe in a, a version of God who's always angry at us, and before we can come to Him, we have to go and fix all of our, all of our mistakes so we're not ashamed and embarrassed to come and talk to Him. And I, I feel like I have to avoid God until I can fix it because of the shame that I feel. Or maybe, I think some people, they have this idea that God just loves everybody and God loves me, and He loves me so much that I can do whatever I want and God just doesn't care. God just doesn't. I can do whatever. It's just... God just wants me to be happy. It's not the Jesus Paul preached. It's a version of that Jesus, and there's certainly some truth to it, but it's, it's a deception. Maybe these things sound silly to you. Maybe it's more subtle. Maybe it's, I'm forgiven and God loves me, so I'm going to stay just like I am forever. I don't need to change. God doesn't expect me to grow. We believe these subtle lies about God, and sometimes we haven't even realized them. Sometimes it's just something as simple as, yeah, I believe in God, and I, I, I believe the Bible is true. But, like, I don't really know if I want to, like, test out some of these things that he tells me I should do. Because some of the things that God's telling me I should do, they look like they're going to end pretty badly for me. So I'm going to pass. And so we have this idea of God or of Jesus that is other than the God of the Bible. Our beliefs about other people. This is a hard one, because other people are stupid. Let's be honest. Like, sometimes people are dumb, and they do dumb things, and there's no logic behind what they do, and they say things, and I'm like, are you listening to yourself? Right? Like, the internet is full of stupid people doing stupid things. It is. Like, Listen, it's really easy right now for me to believe in the total depravity of humanity. Like we, I'm so I'm surprised like if it wasn't for God's grace, I'm not sure we'd still be alive today as as human beings. But here's the problem God says, I have to hope all things, and I have to bear all things, and I have to believe. Ooh, I have to believe all things. That's hard. Because what we have learned. Is you shouldn't talk about your business with other people. Because that always ends bad. You just need to keep it to yourself. When God's word says I should confess my faults one to another. And we could pray for one another and I'll be healed. And, and we struggle with this difference between what we believe in our heart to be true and what the word of God says is true about other people. We believe these lies that like well they haven't changed yet so they're not going to change So why would I even try anymore? If I trust people, they're just going to let me down, so it's better if I just go do it by myself. If you want it done right, do it yourself, right? It's in the book of First Opinions. But the reality is, is we all hold some sort of idea or thought like this in our mind, And of course, you know, if someone said, hey, write that down on a piece of paper, and stick it on the wall, you go, no, that's stupid. I don't really believe that. But in reality, we're making our decisions based on those thoughts. Because we've been deceived. Sometimes our thoughts about other people, one of the things that's, that's really difficult is maybe, maybe we learned it from our mom or our dad or our granddad or maybe even a well-meaning pastor or someone else that was influential in our life. I had someone tell me one time, Justin, if you're going to be a minister, you can't be friends with the people you pastor. It'll never work out. This is, this is well-meaning, sincere advice. This, this person wanted to protect me from heartache, uh, and I understand the logic behind that. The problem is that's not how Jesus did ministry. And so I have to reject that idea, even though I don't reject the person that told me the idea. Sometimes, the worst thoughts that have been implanted in our mind from the enemy, they come from people we really trust. And it's hard for us. Well, I, you know, I don't believe my dad's a terrible person. Right? I, don't, I, I, can't, I don't believe that my pastor would, would lead me astray. Well, it's not that they're bad people. You know, I mean, Jesus really trusted Peter, right? Jesus said, hey, Peter, you're, you're the rock that I'm going to build my church on. Hey, after you get over this whole shenanigan you're going to do about denying me three times— Strengthen the rest of the, of the disciples, right? But Jeter, Jesus looked right into Peter's face and said, "Get behind me, Satan." Why? Because the enemy was putting thoughts in Peter's mind that that were not of God, and it was affecting Peter's behavior. Lastly, thoughts that we think about ourselves. I think this is the one that's more personal. This is the one that we don't really like to talk about a lot, because to be honest we're usually not very open with what we really think about ourselves. We're really not open and honest about our fears or our insecurities or what we're struggling with. And because we keep those things to ourselves and we keep them private, it's easier and easier for those thoughts to grow and to take over our lives. We think things like, my gifts are insignificant. God is not going to use me. God can't use me like he uses that other person. I probably shouldn't try because I'm just going to make a bigger mess and people would be better off if I just wasn't here. We think things like yeah, I know God has to forgive me, but I don't think he wants to forgive me. I can't change. I've I've always been a screw up and that's not going to change. I'm destined to be a failure. My marriage is going to end just like my parents did. Whatever, uh, what, whatever self-defeating thoughts the enemy has slipped into our mind, and we have bought them hook, line, and sinker, we don't talk about them because to say them out loud is quite embarrassing, and we're just hoping that we can hide the real us from other people because if we actually said it out loud, they might believe it too. And the enemy has convinced us of thoughts that are a different gospel. They are not what Jesus says about us in his gospel. And we believe these thoughts, and we've acted on these thoughts, and it causes cycles that never end, that take away our peace, that sabotage our own souls with these wrong ideas and these wrong thoughts about God, about others, and about ourselves. You guys are smart people. I, I assume you are anyways. You made it to college, most of you. means you made like at least an 18 on an ACT or, or something like that, right? You had a, you're keeping at least a 2.0 GPA. Like you guys, you know, some of you, most of you. And and to be honest, you're, you're probably thinking like, yeah, I'm too smart to be tricked. You can't trick me. I would never fall for those things. Yeah, I know other people struggle with that, but, but not me. You know, sometimes we put up a good front. And we do a really good job of arguing from, from the position of the things we really are confident in. And we just don't talk about the things we're not confident in. We just don't deal with that at all. And we just deflect. You see, Eve knew the truth. Eve knew what God had told her. But for some reason, she was tempted. For some reason, she believed a tiny lie about God's goodness, about his motives. The easiest lie is when we make assumptions about other people's motives. We could never know another human being's motives, it's impossible. Even if they were to confess it to us, right? Ladies, a guy ever says, we, I just want to be friends? Right? We, even if people tell us their motives, we can't know for sure. And one of the easiest lies is to believe negative things about other people's motives. That's how, how, the, how the serpent tempted Eve. Well, God just doesn't want you to be like him. God, God doesn't want you to have fun. These things rob us. I think there are a lot of people that the Lord is calling into ministry or to missions. But they are so convinced that to follow Jesus means a a three-bedroom house with a white picket fence in the American dream. And maybe it doesn't say that in the Bible, and of course they know that's not real. But in their mind, that's what they're picturing, and they just can't hear anything other than that thought in their mind. We have to make a decision, a conscious decision, to be open with God and say, search me, God. And see if there is any wicked way in me. That's what David says. Because without the Holy Spirit searching us, most of these things will lay dormant in our life and we'll never realize the true source of the pain and the heartache and the struggle that we face. We won't know until this whole big mess blows up in front of us. And even when that happens, we'll just say, Oh, it's them. It's not me. It's their problem. It's not my problem. They're the ones that did me wrong and maybe you'll be right maybe they were the ones that did you wrong but you're the one going home tonight without peace you're the one who's losing sleep you're the one whose soul is in anguish and so we have to make a conscious decision i want to give you i want to think are four easy steps to deal with these deceptions that we have accepted one, we have to holy, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us where those thoughts are that don't line up with God's word. Maybe that means you need to spend time in prayer, and who knows, maybe the Lord will show you a vision like he showed me. Maybe God will send you a friend who really cares about you. they will point out a pattern in your life and say, hey, I think there's something to this. Maybe you should, should reevaluate some things. And then once we realize those wrong ideas or wrong thoughts that we've been holding, we have to choose to repent. You see, it's, it's a sin to disagree with God. And so we have to say, God, I'm sorry that I believe these thoughts over you. God, I'm sorry I believe the serpent instead of you. I'm sorry I believed whatever it was instead of you. And then we have to remove that thing. Now, I think this is maybe the difficult thing because, like, there's not, like, a vacuum that you can stick to your ear and, like, suck out all the bad thoughts. It doesn't work like that. Sometimes I wish it did because sometimes you catch yourself thinking a thought and you go, ooh, that's not right. But it feels right right now. Right? Vengeance is not right, but right now I feel really good if I just deck that person. I'm not a physically violent person most of the time. But we have to, have to, Remove that. Sometimes removing that means removing the things that are influencing us in that way. Sometimes we're receiving really bad ideas from from the same people over and over again, and unless you can find a way to separate yourself from that, you're just going to keep hearing those same wrong ideas over and over and over again. Unless you can remove that source, you're going to find yourself in this cycle going round and round again. We have to, to remove those thoughts and remove the things that are connected to those thoughts. And then lastly, we have to replace it with God's Word. We have to search the scriptures and say, what does God's Word really say about me? Does God's Word really say that He won't use me? Or does it say the Holy Spirit gives gifts to whomever He chooses to benefit His church? And if God chooses to use me, then who am I to say no? Does the Holy Spirit really say, Justin, you're a failure when people walk away from the faith. If you've been a better pastor, this wouldn't have happened. No, it's not what it says at all. But sometimes i believed it. And so what do I do? I have to write things down on note cards and put them on my desk or put them on the wall or save them on the screensaver of my phone. And I have to remind myself, constantly of the truth of God's word that replaces the lie that I believed. And I confess, God, I believe your truth over the, the deception that's trying to sabotage my soul. God, I believe your truth over the deception that's robbing me of my peace. I really feel like tonight the Holy Spirit has been speaking to some of you guys. I felt I feel very strongly that that there are some ideas that, that maybe, maybe you've known the truth, but it's been difficult to act in the truth because of some other thoughts that just seem lodged in your mind. If I get the band to come back up, we're going we're gonna to end here. Um, we're going to pray, but I want to make sure I tell you this. So I have uh, this little paper I've used for a really long time. Some people call it the blue paper. Um, it says Freedom Tool at the top, but it has these categories I've mentioned are, Our perceptions about ourselves, perception about others, uh, and our perception about God. And this four-step process that I've mentioned tonight. I I put some of those. There's a table on the back as you leave out the left. Uh, Feel free to grab one of those and take it with you. Um, I think some of you, this is maybe something that the Lord wants to do in your heart that maybe is going to help you process a lot of pain, a lot of frustration, a lot of things that you've been dealing with. But tonight, you know, we can't come up the front, we can't lay hands on you, we can't pray with you in person, but I want us to pray where we're at, because I'm confident that God speaks to us through his word. And when God speaks to us, we should respond, we shouldn't ignore it. And so, maybe God has been speaking to you about something that is totally unrelated to what I'm saying. That's okay. You didn't hurt my feelings. Maybe when I read the text, something else jumped out to you, and God's like, hey, you need to deal with this. You're not going to be perfect when you leave tonight. That's not how this works. But what you can do is you can take one more step and say, okay, Jesus, I'm trusting you. I'm going to take this next step. Catch. And so tonight, I want you to do that. Maybe, maybe, Maybe for you, it's just saying, God, there's this thing that I'm struggling with and I don't know if there's this wrong idea I'm believing but God would you show me if there is a wrong idea in my heart and maybe for you it's just being open enough to ask God that question being brave enough to listen but I would invite you whatever the Lord's speaking to you to respond right where you're at you can sit you can kneel you can stand and whatever you want to do but I want you to take a little time now I'm going to pray over you guys and then we're going to respond Lord Jesus Lord Jesus We thank you for your word. We thank you for your gospel. Lord, we repent when we believed any thoughts about ourselves or other people other than what your word says. Lord, we repent where we've worshiped or followed or had this idea of a different Jesus than you. Where we've thought of you or feared you any differently than how you've represented yourself in your word. Lord, we ask tonight the Holy Spirit would come and reveal to us where these deceptions are in our own heart, in our own mind. Lord, you would come and you would heal our hearts and you would correct our thoughts that we could walk with you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Troy Kyalfa podcast. If you'd like to have, find out more about the ministry of Troy Kyalfa, you can find us online at Alpha dot com, email us at TroyKyalfa at gmail.com, or look us up on social media at Troy Kyalfa. If you've enjoyed this sermon, we'd encourage you to join us in person on Wednesday night for our weekly Wednesday night worship service. Thanks for listening.